What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com, H-A-W-G Sports.com. Well, we've gone through, what, five practices of fall camp now. Today's Wednesday. It's the first day off for the Razorbacks as they went five days. Obviously, they're going to pick it back up over these next ten days with several more practices. Got their first scrimmage on Saturday. We're going to talk about what we've learned so far, what we've observed, what we've seen from whispers. We're going to take a lot of your questions as well. All that and more on today's episode of Hogsports. Before we get started, I'd like to mention how to watch. Obviously, you can watch this show on Facebook Live and be one of 90,000 Razorback fans to, to, to follow the page if you haven't done so already. Also available on YouTube. We upload it to YouTube immediately after this. Like, share, follow, comment, do all of those things. If you haven't subscribed to the show, take a moment to do so. Also available on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't thrown us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we certainly would love to have that. Let other people know what to think of the show. Uh, if you enjoy it, share it with your papa. As I always say, he doesn't have internet. He doesn't know about the show. Let him watch it on your phone or something. All right, everybody. I want to jump right into this. By the way, looking at the Bet Saracen app earlier today, uh, there's two ways to bet on Arkansas's win total, six and a half and seven and a half. And obviously, if you you know, seven and a half is is different kind of different kind of odds, but uh Two ways to bet on Arkansas's win total on Bet Saracen, the Bet Saracen app. I like them. I like them over six, and I just think that's an easy one based on what I've seen so far. I like, I like them over. Now, don't come to me if something goes wrong and say, "Hey, you owe me money." I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, for me personally, my observation: if I'm going to do it, I like the over right now, six and a half. I don't hate seven and a half just based on what I've seen. The vibe in the locker room, I want to talk about that first, the, the culture you see. And you don't always see all of that out on the field during practice and stuff. Obviously, they're going to be out there working. But, you know, the inner workings of the locker room, just the things that you hear, the whispers that you hear here and there. Um, my experience is talking with Ben Souders also. I just think it's it's a different dynamic. You know, we go back when the transfer portal occurred and we watch over two dozen players enter the transfer portal. The strength staff, nutrition staff, the whole staff is fired immediately. <laughs> Basically, immediately after they got off the plane. I've never seen a strength staff fired at Arkansas. It's never happened before. And to me, that lends more to than just, you know, just, uh, you know, they weren't able to keep their strength or endurance throughout the season. I just think there's there's more to it than that. Uh, I've never seen it happen. I mean, going back, I've been covering Arkansas for 20 years. Going back to Don Decker with Houston Nutt. Going back to uh, Jason Veltkamp with uh, Bobby Petrino. Ben Herbert. Another guy that I really liked, um, who's at Michigan now, with with Brett Bielema. I mean, so on and so forth. Everybody has been at Arkansas throughout, you know, the whole time of the coach. So I think that's a pretty unique situation. You just don't see that very often. And that brings me to Ben Souders. What I loved about Ben Souders, first of all, we were able to talk to him. I never spoke with Jamil Walker. He never did a press. Every single strength coach I've ever <laughs> I've ever talked to has done a press conference. Uh, you know, to update us on the progress of the players throughout the year. And it's they don't always give you a whole lot of information, but they give you some good information to go on, you know. And we're not asking for like a list of, you know, all the way to the worst bench press on the team. Just who are the guys that had an A-plus camp, you know, or an A-plus offseason, an A-plus a eight-week training cycle. You know, who are those guys? That's, that's the kind of information that we generally, you know, want to see. But uh, – yeah, never did that interview, and uh, that was frustrating for a guy like me because I'm always the person that asks, hey, what's the weight increase on this guy? You know, who's squatting the most on the team? Those are kind of the questions I ask because I know my readers are diehard fans and they want to know that kind of information. So when Ben Souders came in there, it almost brought a tear to my eye of the information. George Carlin used to say, 
the late George Carlin used to say, if you go up and ask somebody a question like, hey, how does this work? How, do, how, does, how does, I don't understand this. And they'll go, well, it's, it's complicated. It's difficult to explain. That, prob- that person probably doesn't really know what they're talking about. But if you go up to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world. Let me show you real quick. Here, all you got to do is this, you know. That's, that's the impression I got from Ben Souders, just overflowing with information. I'd ask him a question, and he'd just keep going, giving us information. So a lot of great stuff out of summer workouts from Ben Souders. Just the people that I've heard, I'm not saying, again, that Arkansas had, per se, a culture problem. But I will say, if you don't have a great culture in team sports, then that's a bad culture. Okay, and I feel like Arkansas was experiencing a little bit of that. I'm not saying pointing any fingers or anything. I'm just saying Ben Souders, from what I've been told, is kind of a cultural solution for Arkansas in a lot of ways. These strength coaches, nutrition staff, all these people, these are the people that spend probably more time with the athletes than any other coach on the staff. That's why they get paid, you know, um, and, and justifiably, you know, relative to the other coaches on the staff, they get paid pretty well. I think he's making like $300,000 a year. Pretty good salary. But these guys spend, you know, they know these players' sleep cycles. They know what's putting in, what they're putting in their bodies. They know where they need to gain and what they need to lose. They know personal information probably more than anybody else on the staff because they interact with them constantly. So this is kind of Ted Lasso thought, but it's not so much from what I'm hearing the that players are rallying around Ben Souders. It's that they're rallying around the environment that he's created. It's not about him. It's about the Razorbacks. I know that's very Ted Lasso. My neighbors decided to start mowing right when I started the video, so we're going to hear that. I hope you guys aren't annoyed by that. But, I mean, it just started right after I hit go. So, anyway, those are a few of my thoughts on just kind of the overall culture change that I've seen at Arkansas. Uh, Roster-wise, guys, individually, when I look at this roster, individually, when I look at the roster, I'm not saying the team per se. I'm saying the roster. It's as good a looking a roster as I've seen. And I felt like that last year also. And a big reason I felt last year was mainly because of the starting 22 that they rolled out. You know, this is as deep a team as I've ever seen. Last year was maybe the best looking starting 22. And, you know, I think this team may trump that also. But last year opened a lot of eyes up to teams all across the country on the transfer portal and how much it could impact your team. Now, you have to understand when I say, like, this is the best-looking roster, the deepest roster that I've seen in 20 years covering Arkansas. You have to understand also that Ole Miss added 27 transfers. Auburn added 22 transfers. LSU added 14 transfers. Everybody's able to boost the quality of their roster. It's a different landscape in college football. You take this team – that they have now and put it back in 2018 and playing that schedule, they might have won 11 games or more. Just because the landscape is so much different, you're not relying on true freshmen. Heck, you're not even relying on that many redshirt freshmen or sophomores. I mean, like, think about the class of 2022. It's a pretty good class, but, you know, Quincy McAdoo started the last few games on that team and uh, on the 2022 team as a true freshman. He's out this year, obviously, with, uh, with an injury stemming from car accident. Uh, but you're looking at Patrick Kudis starting at right tackle. And who else? You're looking at Isaiah Satania out of that whole class because you're able to add so many veteran players who have so much experience. So when I look at this roster individually, and we'll see how it comes together as a team, and we'll see what everybody else has. I'm just saying this team compared to past Razorback teams looks pretty damn good. 
It looks pretty solid from a personnel standpoint in depth. And it starts on the defensive line for me. I've said many times, nine seniors, one 300-pound guy after another. I'm watching these guys, you know, do the drill where they're on their belly and, you know, they, they hop up and they, they shuffle over the, the dummies and then they run to a spot. And it's just like one 300-pound guy after another. Just like it never seems to end. I'd never seen that before at Arkansas on the defensive line. And, you know, we can talk about 394-pound defensive tackles, Yandra Frard, who doesn't look that bad at 394. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't. He's like proportion. He's got a big noggin and everything. I mean, he's a huge dude. And then, you know, you've got Tank Booker, who's 351. You've got Eric Gregory, who goes like 319. You've got uh, – who else? Cam Ball, who goes 318. Torian Carter goes 303. Kiwi Rose is 303. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. Andrew Farr's 394. Uh, and then you go to the ends, and you're, you're looking at two guys who official weight is 281. Trajan Jeffcoat, 6'4", 281. Landon Jackson, 6'7", 281. That's a, that's a big pair of booking. That's a big defensive line. I think Booker's going to end up starting for him, actually. He just – I, I was, like, looking at him, and, there, uh, you know, I know the plan is, like, getting down to 340. I don't know if I'd mess with him that much. I don't know if I'd mess with him that much. And even if it's just a bunch of average SEC defensive linemen, you know, which means you're a pretty damn good defensive lineman, even if it's just a bunch of average guys, the fact that you're going to be able to rotate them and keep them fresh and keep your best guys for the fourth quarter, and you're going to be able to do that from September 2nd to the Friday after Thanksgiving, you're going to have quality defensive linemen unless just a disaster happens kind of like it did in the secondary. But the secondary last year wasn't as deep. I think they had a good day one starting out, a good-looking, you know, group as of starters. And then they just started – I mean, like think about the secondary last year. Catalan goes down first game. Slusher goes down first game. Bishop goes down second game. You know, Chavis is in and out of the lineup. Within, I mean, it was just like Ladarius Bishop – or not Ladarius Bishop, but uh, Latavius Brini, you know, played injured all year. You just had so many – issues you know Jaden Johnson I felt like took kind of a step back last year after a pretty solid freshman year uh, but they didn't have the depth overall if the defensive line is hit with injuries then I think you know you're going back to kind of like a typical Arkansas defensive line <laughs> so it starts right there for me on the defense uh, I love the new coaches especially you know well you know all of them but I, I really like Marcus Woods and I've said that plenty of times I just think the guy's a hell of a recruiter I think he just resonates with the players Big fan. So, linebacker, you know, I think they could probably – it's hard. You're not going to replace Drew Sanders. The guy's a freak. Uh, but I think they've got more, again, better depth overall top to bottom. May not have, you know, that guy, Drew Sanders, uh, but they do have a better overall depth. And the secondary, I just – I cannot imagine. There are 133 teams in FBS this year. There were 131 last year, and Arkansas was 131 in pass defense. But I've talked about Marcus Woodson, the job that he did at Florida State. Coming in, they're one of the worst pass defenses in the country the year before. They improved by like 20 yards that, that year, 40 yards the next year. And then uh, the year after that, they're giving up like 160 yards a game through the air. They're number four in the country in pass defense. So how much, how, I think it's easier now to turn things around. And I look at the secondary, and I, I recognize the need to shovel some things around. You know, like, for example – I think Jalen Lewis has a lot of promise. I think he has a lot of potential. I also think that nickel, they call it the hog, is the hardest position to play. I think it's the hardest position to play on defense. Why? You have to be able to be quick enough to cover slot receivers. You've got to be stout enough to tackle a running back. You've got to be able to take on blockers in the screen game and blow that up. You've got to be savvy 
I mean, you got to be able to read stuff at that position. Uh, it requires a lot, a lot to play that spot. I think it's just incredibly difficult position to play. Um, a lot of times you could be the conflict defender where the RPO game, whatever they decide to do, is based on what you're doing, you know, depending on, you know, how you guys are lined up. So it's a difficult position to play, and I think Jalen Lewis has a future. Do I think he's one of the five best defensive backs on the team? Not today. Not today. He's not. And that brings me to Snacks Johnson. Now, I think Snacks is one of their two best cornerbacks probably right now. But I also really like what I'm seeing from Jaheim Singletary. I like a lot. I like it a lot. 6-2. Even though he's, you know, McLeather's 6-2 too, but I feel like Singletary's a little taller. Um, I think he might have the quickest feet out of all the guys too. I mean – the guy is really impressive. Uh, I can't wait. Like when they when they're doing you know drills, you know, and they're like you know change of direction, like the the speed at which he moves, you know, from that moment, like is explosive. Like this guy is a former five star recruit for a reason. You know, McLaughlin, I think he'll take another step forward this year. Uh, they've also Keon Stewart. I think may be the key to them being able to potentially move snacks either to nickel or safety. I think Walcott needs to play safety or nickel too, uh, but. We know they played snacks some at nickel last year. I just think in an effort to get your best five out there, it just to me makes a lot of sense to put snacks there, especially if you're feeling good about Keon Stewart and that rotation. You also got Ladarius Bishop back. But I haven't seen Keon a whole lot just watching out there for some reason. You know, you just miss guys here and there. I, I watched him a good bit the other day. But uh, just from, you know, whispers, people that are there telling me what is going on, uh, Keon is, has been – you know, pretty pleasant addition for him. So, the way I look at it, you're looking at some kind of combination, in my opinion, of uh, McLaughlin, Singletary, Snacks Johnson, Alphaheem Walcott, Hudson Clark, and then you've also got, you know, got Jaden Johnson, Malik Chavis. Malik Chavis, you know, it doesn't always mean everything, but Malik Chavis is the best jumper on the team, and he's the fastest guy. I know when when Ben Souter said that the other day, like that he was one of the five guys that had hit 22 miles an hour. I know there were a lot of people that were like, oh, I think he meant, must have got him confused. No, Malik Chavis, 6'2", 194. He's a 40-inch vertical guy. I was able to get that information out of the summer workouts. Uh, there's an article on Hog Sports, a VIP article, but there's an article. Hey, if you signed up for the 60% off or the 75% off deal, either way, you got a great deal. I think you're realizing that. We publish, you know, almost 80 articles over eight days uh, at Hog Sports. So, uh, and a lot of that is VIP stuff that you can't get for free. A lot of the stuff, like, comes out of press conferences. Like, you'll see us post some free vid- free articles and stuff. A lot of that stuff uh, is stuff that comes out of press conferences. Other news outlets are putting that stuff out there, too. I also do a lot of opinion stuff, a lot of editorial, a lot of breakdowns, individual positions, uh, individual players, comparing them to other players on the team, players in the past. Just giving kind of and, – and also, the you know, the insight that I have that a lot of other people don't have. You know, not just going to practices, but also talking to people from the inside. And so, yeah, all that stuff's at Hawk Sports. But, uh, you know, just just from – you know, th- some of those things. I think that there's a couple of moves that maybe we'll see when they come back from, from the day one-day break. Also, this show is going to be – it's going to be – it's just difficult. Like, there's no time. Like, I look up and the day is gone, you know, um, because we've got practice in the morning, which has been fantastic. I love the morning practice. It's been cool. It's been great, actually. Like, to be able to spend time with my family in the evening, <laughs> it's been actually good because August is usually – they don't see me. Uh, but, you know, from – 
from everything that we've seen so far, um, you know, I think that we'll see them come back from that break and maybe shift some things here and there, you know. So uh, I have not seen them run like a two tight end set or a two running back set. And we saw that very early often in the spring. I haven't, and I'm not saying they haven't done that. I'm sure they have. But what I do see from the offense, they run a drill called uh, two-on-two slot cover where it's basically just one side of the field, two defensive backs, two wide receivers. There's a lot of combo routes, a lot of rubs, you know, screens, whatever you want to call them if you're offense or defense, but a lot of those kinds of things. Uh, and those have been really interesting battles to watch, really interesting, because one day the offense will win, one day the defense. Like day one, everybody's talking Andrew Andrew Armstrong, unstoppable. I mean, he just took snacks lunch all day. And the next day, it was all snacks. Snacks, I saw him make two great pass breakups in that drill against Andrew Armstrong. Those two guys go against each other all the time. I love seeing that. I can, You know, I always think back, like, when I'm watching drills, it's like – I love when the best wide receiver, I'm not saying Armstrong is, but he's kind of looking more and more maybe like that's a possibility. But when he goes up against the best, you know, not maybe maybe not they're the best, but like two guys that identify each other, that, you know, want to want to challenge each other every day. Because um, it might be Isaac Tesla, he might be the best. And then there's, of course, Nudie, you know, who's preseason All-SEC. Second team coaches All-SEC last year. So – Wide receiver, I think they're going to be in good shape. I think it's just a matter of getting everybody on the same page. I think they're going to throw a lot of screen passes, and that bodes well for Isaiah Satania's stats. I like Andrew Armstrong a lot. I like Isaac Tesla a lot. And Tyrone Broden. Tyrone Broden and A.J. Green are the two fastest guys on offense. Tied 22.03 miles per hour. Uh, those are the two fastest guys on the offensive side of the ball, and Broden is 6'7". Like, they're the – Second day or something, KJ threw a pass, and I was like, whoa, that's so high. And then there's Tyrone Broden, 6'7", <laughs> goes up and gets it. So, uh, KJ's throwing the ball really well, too, from what I've seen so far. Uh, you know, like yesterday in two-on-two slot cover, they I think the quarterbacks were like 11 to 24 or something like that, not a very good percentage. But then they came back later in the practice. And it's hard to judge because it's, it, you know, does the offense, is the offense really good or does the defense suck? You know, it's because they're going against each other. That's why I always try to look at individuals and try to compare and, you know, all those kinds of things compared to other players or compared to players from the past, those kinds of things. I, I think it's a, a good time for, like, from an evaluation standpoint, not try to figure out well, what's the run-pass ratio going to be. You know, how many times are they going to do this or that? Or, uh, you know, it's, it's mainly, like, what does this individual player look like? I'm intrigued with the tight ends. I've seen bigger tight end rooms at Arkansas, but Varkey's Gums and Lucas both look very similar to me, like build. Uh, I think Gums probably wears a little shorter pant leg, just more of a torso guy, which is kind of a good thing. If you're a tight end, you want to have a longer torso. If you're a defensive end, if you're an offensive tackle, shorter legs, uh, definitely is you know more prototypical, prototypically desirable, I guess. Uh, but I like the tight end room. In terms of pass catchers, I just think they add an extra dimension as far as receiving threats. I'm anxious to see, you know, what they look like with those two guys. I think it'll be Haz and Gums out there together. Easter has a really high ceiling, too. I mean, that guy is ultra-talented, super fast also. Uh, and you've got some guys that can block and backs and uh, Francis Sherman. Uh, the offensive line, really encouraged with what I've seen from Devon Manuel so far. He looks like he's added a little bit more weight. I didn't know, guys. I knew. I just knew he was thin, but apparently he was down to 282 in the spring. Like, this dude came in at 390. Can you imagine? I mean, that's like carrying a small woman on your back all day and then losing it over the – I mean, and I've always said I love the idea of bringing in 
big, heavy. Not that there's just one way, because Frank Ragnow was, you know, 270-something. Ricky Stromberg was like 260-something when he came in. They packed weight on those guys. But I love, you know, the idea of bringing in a guy that's, you know, maybe overweight and been carrying too much weight, and then you shed that. you got to feel lighter on your feet, right? you got to feel – I mean, I can look at Devon Manuel's calves and see, like, this guy's been carrying a lot of weight in his life. And I, I just imagine he feels so much lighter. But, like, I think Devon Manuel's going to end up being, like, a staple left tackle for them over the next few years. Like, maybe a guy who's next level. He's 6'9", 3'10". I mean, it's not like he doesn't have the – the size, the genetics. <laughs> so, uh, but from what I'm hearing also, they're really pleased with him. You know, Patrick Kudis on the other side would be the other, you know, question mark. The tackles are obviously a question mark because they don't have a lot of experience. Kudis is coming along. He's still got 20 practices or so left uh, before the first game. But, yeah, 25 practices in 29 days, so he's got five left. Uh, but you th- the thing you have to remember about Kudis is he is extremely young. He is 18 years old still for a few more days. There are players who are sophomore, or excuse me, fr- true freshmen on this team who came in the class of 2023 who are older than Patrick Kudis. There's like five or six of them who are 19 already. There are players in his own class, in the class of 2022, who are already 20 years old, and Kudis is still 18. So he's, he's the youngest second-year player on the team. So he's extremely young, and that obviously is encouraging because, I mean, the guy even contributed last year as a, as a freshman, you know. Uh, he was 17 years old this time last year. So Patrick Kudis coming along, yeah, probably the fifth best offensive lineman right now just because of his inexperience overall. But he'll continue to get better. You know, he was a guy that we heard right when he came into the program that this is a guy, you know, to keep an eye on. So – the rest of the guys, you know, Joshua Braun, I don't know that he's being challenged in there right now. I don't know that any of the, you know, Latham, Limmer, it doesn't feel like any of those guys are being really uh, challenged right now. Obviously, you got KJ back throwing the ball well. I think Jacoby Criswell having him makes you feel a whole hell of a lot better about not only this year if something were to happen to KJ, but also the future. The guy can really sling it. Probably got the best velocity, probably the most consistent spiral on the team out of all the quarterbacks, including KJ. Rocket Sanders back. Dominic Johnson looks in a lot better shape right now. Like last year, he came in three weeks late. He missed, you know, spring football – or excuse me, fall camp. He came in three weeks late and, to me, looked kind of chunky. He's listed at the same weight, but the weight's moved around. I talked to him about that a little bit the other day. He came in for the press conference. But he's looking good. Uh, Rashad DeBinion's in next-level shape from where he was last year. And we'll see on A.J. Green. You'd like to think he takes another step forward also. And we talked about the wide receivers. I think we covered everybody, just kind of an overview. Cam Little's back. Eli Stein's back as snapper. And can Max Fletcher get consistent? Because last year he was not. I know that he has the leg. It's just, can he be consistent? And then, you know, there's the return game. Isaiah Satania looking like a guy that could possibly move in there at kick return and replace A.J. Green. I've said plenty of times before, you know, when you go back to 2010 and they outlawed wedge blocking, you know, and then a few years after, a couple, yeah, I think maybe 2013, they moved the ball from the 30 to the 35. So more balls going to the end zone. And then they did the fair. Everything they have done has been to discourage you returning kickoffs. I don't want to see Arkansas return any kickoffs. I mean, even if it lands at the 10, you know, a lot of times the reason is that because they sky kicked it and the coverage team gets down there soon. Uh, so I'm against returning kickoffs unless it's just like, a line drive, low line drive somewhere, then maybe you consider it. But, I mean, almost every game last year, there, there might have been two that should have been returned last year. Might have been two. So, all right. Should we go to some questions? 
Got about 30 minutes here. Let's see what we got. Again, I like this roster compared, and people will confuse all of this stuff. And I said the same thing kind of last year. But in last year's team, you know, the difference between last year's team being like celebrated and being like, oh, it's a major step back is, you know, you lost KJ for two games and you lost four games by a combined, what, 10 points? I mean, you had a couple of, a few games you lost by two points, you know. So uh, the thing with 2021, when in their close games, they split them. They won two, they lost two. Last year, they just lost all the close games. And you won seven games instead of nine games. And you're not ranked in the top 25. So that's that's kind of the difference. But again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm saying this Arkansas team compared to last year's team, compared to pretty much any team that I've covered in 20 years, when you talk about overall depth, is better looking. Man, one through 85 is undoubtedly better looking than any team that I've, I've covered. They just are. And and a lot of it starts with that defensive line. I'm just thinking, man, these guys, it's just it's a big veteran group, nine seniors. They're It's a big team overall. Now, I've seen bigger tight end rooms. I've seen bigger linebacker rooms. It's a, probably a slightly above average linebacker room compared to most teams at Arkansas. Big group of D-backs. I mean, you could potentially be having, you know, two six-two guys that are listed at 6'2 anyway. Um, cornerbacks. You know, I mean, to me, it's it's a big team. It's it's a veteran team. Now, they may not all be veterans because of what they did at Arkansas, but I think all 18 of those transfer additions are going to play a role in this team. And that's what's so exciting about football now with the transfer portal. And I know people, you know, they're traditionalists and stuff, but like for Arkansas, it's the transfer portal NIL has been a good thing. But, I mean, to be able to go out there in the spring and – there's so many new faces and then go back at, you know, to fall camp and there's like 20 more new faces, you know, and not just new faces. Not We're not just like looking at a bunch of freshmen, like which of these guys are going to contribute. It's guys that have played college football, guys that are veterans, new seniors. It's just unique. It's different. I mean, like to go into a college football season and a significant portion of your roster is guys who have never played for you that are going to play a major role. And it's not because, you know, you got to play a freshman, it's like you've brought in a senior who did really good things at his last stop. It's just different, different era. So, yes, I like Arkansas compared to past teams. Do I like Arkansas compared to the rest of the SEC? I don't know yet. Again, a lot of these teams have added a ton of transfers, and they're able to hit the portal just like Arkansas is. Bill Rich says, good morning from Texarkana. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Texarkana's own Landon Jackson does and the extra weight he's added since the bowl game last year. 40 pounds is a lot of weight. Keep up the great job. I'm anxious too. You know, Landon was, you know, what, 85% of his weight. He was 238, he's 283, something like that. Um, he was three-quarter speed because he was coming off the ACL. I think the work that Landon has done against Devon Manuel, those two guys playing off each other is going to really help those two guys because they work each other a lot. Adrian Jones says, I was wondering if the embarrassing loss to Liberty led to the firing of the strength and conditioning staff. Well, I think it was just an overarching thing. I think that they wanted a little bit better, a little bit better camaraderie overall with the program. Um, and I think, I'm not again, I'm not saying that it was a, a – toxic culture or anything like that that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying it could have been improved and I think that was part of it 
And I think that – and, again, I'm not just pointing fingers to the strength staff. There's a lot of – I mean, we watched two dozen players leave here. We watched, you know, coaches leave. Um, and I'm not point. I don't want to point fingers to anybody because I don't like. It's hard to talk about the present without talking about the past. But uh, to me, there's that aspect of it. And I, I think these guys just weren't. I mean, look, look at how bad they were when they got inside the twenty or when they were in short yardage. This offensive line was supposed to be a team strength last year, and it's fourth and one, and they can't get it with a 245 pound quarterback. You know, I mean, that to me says like there are some issues, and I don't think that you fire your strength staff the day after the Missouri game unless you're trying to send a message. Brian Malone says, who appears to be KJ's back at this point? I would say, without a doubt, Jacoby Criswell. I think Jacoby Criswell is a future starter. Now, Malachi Singleton is coming along too. He's not there yet. But, you know, some, some of the things that I, you hear about Malachi from the receivers yesterday, Isaiah Satania, Andrew Armstrong – is that one day they think he could be running 22 miles an hour. Like, he's very fast. And he's got a good arm. Not quite as – maybe just maybe an inch shorter than uh, Jacoby Criswell is right now, but, you know, kind of a similar build. But Jacoby, Jacoby. And you got Cade Fortin there too. But Jacoby is not only the backup this year, but I think the future next year. Matthew McKenzie says, what will you be looking for from the defense in week one? Would a shutout give you hope for a great D this season, or is it no stock? I mean, it's hard to hope for a shutout, but I would just say, like, utter dominance for three quarters would be ideal. Like, you dominate them for the first half, and then you kind of, you know, you don't want to just say, like, if you dominate them in the first half and the score's out of hand, you put in all the backups. You want to come out and run a couple of good series coming out of halftime, you know, in a rehearsal sense. So, for that game to be viewed as that, yeah, I mean, dominate them. And, you know, the second if you have a second-team defense in there or something, you could, you know, give up, you know, some trash points or something like that. But uh, it's hard for me to say in this day and age of college football a shutout, especially game one. But um, just, just dominating them would be what I would consider what I'd be looking for. Randy Smith says, "Is a second if the secondary can make good strides in the right direction and the O line tackles be good. I really like what this team could be. Sure, wish there was a home heavy schedule this year. So, yeah, I hate the schedule this year. I hate the home schedule. I mean, I've I've talked about that plenty of times. So, I mean, if you watch the show, you've heard me talk about it a lot, uh, Gerard. But but I'll say this, like." If they can get that four-game stretch there, you know, like the the game in Baton Rouge is always going to be tough. I've seen them go to Baton Rouge before and win. They played, Baton, you know, LSU very tough uh, here last year without KJ. Just couldn't put up any points. But, you know, that Texas A&M game's pivotal. Ole Miss is pivotal. You know, I think that they could probably do some damage on Ole Miss. Um, you know, I don't think that they have a lot of depth, even with – so, I'll, guys, this is a great podcast, so this is a recommendation. Cover three – with Bud Elliott, he does what's called summer school. Uh, so he talks to basically the version of me at every team in the country, like at least all the Power Five schools. And so I go through there and listen to, you know, it's a 20-minute breakdown where he's asking questions like, if something were to happen to this position group, you know, which one is that that it would be a major problem? Like where's the biggest drop-off from the starters to the backups? Um, you know, just asking all the like really in-depth questions over a 20-minute period, you can get a really good idea for a team's strengths and weaknesses. 
Uh, it's the Cover Three podcast. It's called you know the Summer School Edition. It's on YouTube and it's on you know Apple Podcasts wherever else. But it's a really good listen if you want to get a good idea of what other teams are, uh, what other teams have. Now, obviously, you're not going to get as in depth as you know Arkansas because you care more about Arkansas. You want to hear what people have to say and you know know every single in and out. But it's a good way to get you know a rough idea. Gerard Baker says Trey Biddy always putting out quality content. Can't wait for the season walk talks. Appreciate you. I got a gimbal, so I'm thinking maybe it'll be a little smoother in the background. Upgrade to the walk and talk. Dustin Barber says, <laughs> Dustin Barber says, we may have a decent line, but can our DBs actually cover? I mean, surely, surely they can do better than they did last year. I mean, like, like even if it's just a little better, you know, that would, that would go. The explosive places they gave up last year were just insane. Uh, I'm not expecting, like, I like the looks of the defensive backfield better overall, top to bottom, than I did last year. Uh, and I like the defensive backfield, the starters primarily, going into last year. And you're going to have, you know, they're not going to get through this season unscathed. They're going to have – somebody's going to go down. Probably in camp, you're probably going to lose an, a starter, you know. Um, and it just kind of sucks about football, but that's where the depth comes in. And, yes, the secondary, I would be surprised if they're dead last in FBS this year. I would be surprised. Uh, I would also be surprised if they're top 25, you know, maybe even top 50. I'm, that might surprise me too. So, But I'm just saying I think they'll take a step forward overall. I think it's going to be hard to run on this team. So maybe teams try to pass. Maybe they don't have any other option. What, Whit Calhoun says, our linebackers are so short, small, though, this year. Are you concerned? I wouldn't say short and small. I mean, so – Poo Paul, 6'1", 233. Um, Thomas, 6'4", 240. Antonio Greer, I think, is listed at 6'1", 230. I might say he's more close to six foot. Um, Manny Powell is 6'3", 230-something. Jordan Crook is listed at six foot. I might give Jordan Crook about 5'11", um, 220-something. So... Carson Dean, probably 6'4", 230-something. So, I, I think it's a slightly – compared to, you know, usual years at Arkansas, I would say it's a slightly taller group. Now, Grant Morgan was probably 5'11", you know, and was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, you'd love to have everybody Drew Sanders size, but uh, that's just – that's there's not a lot of guys out there like that. So, I think they're going to be okay at linebacker. I don't know that they'll be quite as good as last year, but possibly because there's some unknowns, you know. They certainly have a lot of candidates there. Uh, it's a it's a deeper top to bottom linebacker room than I think I've covered at Arkansas. Like the past few years, it's been you know they've been pretty steady three guy rotation. You know last year it was Bumper, Pooh, and and Drew um, Sanders, but and the year before that it was a three man rotation. There have been years where it's just like they've got two linebackers, you know, and they got to play the whole game and they're sucking wind at the end of the game. I don't think that's going to be the case this year, uh, but. Is the top-end talent as good as it was last year? Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, there's not a third-round NFL draft pick, I don't know, on this team. Just a, It's just a pause. I'm just, I'm just going over some stuff. You haven't lost your audio. Just bear with me for a second. Every once in a while, the Facebook comments will jump and I'll lose my spot. Will Bonham says, hey, Trey. See, it did it again. 
There it is. All right, Will Bonham says, hey, Trey, have you ever watched a documentary called The Identity Theft of Mitch Mustaine? If so, what did you think about it? I watched it. I don't remember what I thought about it. It's been a while, but um, I don't think it was handled very well by anybody. I mean, either camp, really. I, I, I remember being right there in it. You know, I, I lived it in a way. Um, it just wasn't a good situation from the beginning. You know, one of the big mistakes that Frank Boyles made in his legendary career was forcing Houston Nutt to hire Gus Malzahn. I mean, think about that. Like, if, if Houston Nutt isn't forced to hire Gus Malzahn, does he end up at Auburn? Does he end up even being a college coach? You know, just starting out with that, just the whole situation was just kind of terrible. But uh, I don't like how Mustang was treated, and I don't like some of the things that were coming out of the Springdale camp either. You know, I just felt like it was just toxic overall. It needed to break up, and I don't think anybody ended up winning. I think everybody lost, didn't they? I mean, the fans lost. I mean, even we didn't even really get to fully enjoy a 10-win season where they went 7-1 in the SEC. You know, the next year was just so toxic with flags flying, you know, and and that was a pretty good team. It was eight wins. You know, probably should have won more. But, uh, yeah, fans lost in that one. Um you know, Damian Williams came out okay, but, you know, a lot of those players, Mustang didn't go on to have the career that he should have had, he could have had. Um, you know, people's names got drugged through the mud. Just It just sucked. The whole state was torn apart. I can remember message board. That's where, like, Darksiders and Sunshine Pumpers came up. The whole state's divided. Like, you know, Houston Nutt ended up going to Ole Miss. He didn't want to go to Ole Miss. And then ended up never coaching again. Like, nobody won in that deal. So that's kind of my thoughts about it. Justin Barber says, what's your prediction over overall record this season? I'm still a little early. I'm leaning to eight. Maybe that's a safe pick, but that's that's four and four, eight wins. It's kind of, it's kind of a safe pick. And maybe you say, like, that would be fantastic and, you know, win a bowl game, you're back to nine. But I feel like they could do more. I think I would be disappointed in this team just looking at the roster – I think I'd be disappointed if they like won seven in the regular season. I just think that I think they got a better team than that. I, I really do. Um, I think you know the first three games, the last five games, are all very winnable. And then you know that middle stretch depends on how you do. I've said before if they win two games in that middle stretch of the season, that four game stretch where they're away from home, if they win two games in that, then they have the ability to be a ten win team because that's a tough stretch. All right, I'm going to go in reverse order because I keep jumping. Mitch was the only one that truly and completely lost out because of that whole situation. Yeah, Mitch lost out. Houston lost out too. I mean, he definitely lost out in that deal. I mean, if Houston Nuthead, you know, all that stuff hadn't happened with him being forced to hire Malzahn on all that stuff, they still would have won 10 games. They still would have – you know, they might have done better than that with McFadden and all those guys. And it ends up blowing up his career at Arkansas, his, you know, legacy at Arkansas is, is definitely tarnished. Because that whole situation. Uh, Ruben Yarbrough says, do you do any of the new freshmen look like they will contribute? I could see, you know, you you could, you'd have injuries and stuff like that that require that too. But I could see like Quincy Rhodes at defensive end, 6'6", 289. I could see Andrew Frard, 6'5", 394. He just looks – I can't even believe he can move it that way, but he can. Um, I don't know if there's room for one of the wide receivers, but I really like what I see from um, – uh, Davion Dozier, 
Luke has is going to is going to play. Luke has at tight end. Luke has might be the only guy that plays a significant role. Quincy McAdoo looks like he's out for the season. Anything else? I think that'll do it. All right, I've got an appointment to get to. That's why I went early today. All right, everybody, appreciate you joining me for Hog Sports Live. And I don't know when I'll be able to do the show again because we're off Sunday. And I'm probably not going to do the show on Sunday. And, you know, I, I told myself I wasn't going to do any work today, but I just can't help it. But uh, we've got, uh, yeah, I mean, we're off, we got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, off Sunday, Saturday, both scrimmage off Sunday, and then it's, you know, a straight week. And, like, I get up, get ready, go to practice, come back from practice, and then press conference. And then it's just I, I work, and then I got drive time at 530. I look up in the days, you know, it's dark outside. <laughs> That's just kind of how it's been. It's how it is in fall camp. So I don't know exactly when I'll get an opportunity to do the show. I'll try to squeeze it in somewhere, but I can't make any promises. And then, of course, when the season starts, we'll be back on a regular schedule Monday, Thursday, walk and talk on Saturday. All right, everybody, appreciate you joining me. Thanks for all those who signed up during our big promotion. We sold more subscriptions than anybody in the country during that 75% off deal for the third year in a row. Arkansas, baby. That's what it's all about. All right, everybody, thanks for joining me. This has been Trey Biddy with Hogsports.com. See you next time.